Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. I'm your host, Rebecca Cressman, and today our guest is Susanna Burt. She's the Prevention Program Manager with the Utah Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health. And we're going to talk about something that affects your family, it affects your neighborhood, your community, your city, our state, and that is prescription safety and the larger picture, which is the campaign message of Know Your Script. Susanna Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Rebecca. Now, this is a new statewide campaign. And so let's talk a bit about the the importance of prescription safety. Why do we want people to be engaged and, and informed about the power of prescription drugs? That's a great question. So we've actually been working on addressing opioids or prescription painkillers Since about 2007, when the Office of the Medical Examiner identified that more people were overdosing from these opioids, and one of the things that came up as we started, you know, here we are, oh gosh, 12 years later, um, we found that while there is a change in the type of opioid coming into Utah or the overdose, we're still seeing a number of people dying from overdose or misusing the pills um, from prescription medication. And it isn't just opioids. It could be a stimulant, so like the Ritalin or the Adderall. It could be your Valium. Um, sometimes it's mixing the, the two pills together that creates a kind of a negative cocktail that can put us to sleep and not wake up, unfortunately. Uh, so that's kind of where we're talking about it. And there's so much more before the death. I mean, we've seen families that have just been ravaged by addiction, and we want to prevent that from ever happening to any family or any person in the state of Utah. That's our goal. Mm. And and you did a great job bringing us back. If if I rewind back to 2007, and I was, again, still a broadcaster at that time, I was stunned. I, I, I don't yeah. know that we understood as a community that these medications were so much more powerful than we realized. And that we thought well, we, that, right, that when they came with a prescription, yeah. they they would have limited risks, right? And so we had to all right. do a full 360. Right. Parents uh, especially thought that their kids were using a prescription. It was safer and that, you know, you could, you could kind of like self-diagnose or self-medicate a little bit more because it was, came from the doctor. It's supposed to be safe, Right. And unfortunately, that isn't the case. You know, there are so many things that are misused or abused um, that could have the potential for addiction. And I want to be very clear. We're not saying that everyone should avoid prescription medication because there is definitely a need for prescription medication. But our conversation needs to be about what's right for you. Is it your prescription? Have you talked to a doctor um, is it something that's needed at this time? Is it something that you need for a short period of time or a long period of time? That's that's why I want to make sure it's really, really clear. We're not saying don't ever take a, a, a painkiller because your doctor prescribed it. It's saying 
ask really good questions about if this is right for you. Mm -hmm. Ask really good questions and be as informed as possible. I think about my neighbor Mm -hmm. who's, uh, he's a pharmacist. And the amount of schooling that went into that for him to understand how different drugs act together, how different human bodies will react differently on different amounts of medication. And so when we as and and often in our homes, we really do play kind of an on call doctor, right? Somebody's not feeling well. (laughs) What do we have to help treat that? And yet we have to have greater understanding. So we're going to do that today because as uh, Susanna Burt, who's the prevention program manager, joining us today, explained so many families are ravaged by this. And the risk factors is simply that we're human. I mean, I, I just pointing that out is that this happens in all different, we use that term demographics, all different income brackets can fall a victim not only to misusing uh, prescription drugs, but uh, the addictions uh, that can come with that as well. So let's talk about what we need to understand um, as parents. How do we help protect our family and keep them safe and and informed on how to move forward with a healthy respect and use of prescriptions in our homes? Yeah. You know, um, I would say that every, almost every family that is listening or every person that is listening has a, pres- a prescription medication in their house, whether it's current or not. Um, and the conversation as a parent or an aunt or an uncle or a grandparent needs to be with our families, with our kids and our community members, that we we don't take other people's medications. We don't know that taking grandma's uh, blood pressure medication is the right thing for you, even though you may have been diagnosed with the same thing. Um, and asking, again, your doctor. So as a parent, one of the things we've done, um, first of all, we try really hard to ask a lot of questions at the doctor's office when they're prescribing the medications. So asking, is this right for my kid or is this right for me? Is it right for my husband? Because Let's be honest, I have to take hold his hand half the time, too. Um, <laughs> but making sure that we know what the medication is, if it's right for us, how long do they have to take it for? You know, there's things that, um, you know, coming in and being prepared for your doctor visit. Uh, my mother very much instilled in me, you go with a list of questions. Before you get to the doctor, you should have questions or have information you want to share with them. And that is a really good strategy to make sure you're getting the right medication for you if it's necessary or for your child. Mm. And then the next thing is um, asking, okay, you're going to prescribe me this medication. What does it contra uh, indicate? You know, what's it, what is it? Should I eat grapefruit with it? Should I not? Should I have dairy with food, without food, morning, night, Um, you know, do I take it every day? All sorts of questions to make sure you're understanding what is right for you or your child or your partner or whoever. Um, those are, that's the first place to start as a parent. Well, and it feels really important, Susanna, really quick, really important because the, the time period we get to spend with that Mm. healthcare provider is really short. So we can kind of get, right. We get kind of ruffled and then we get out and we have a list of questions. And, and as a patient and as a parent, we have a right to not only bring our questions in, but make sure we're asking, we're getting answers to our questions before we leave. Right. And the other things like with that is like, 
So again, I, I draw on a lot of personal experience as well. When I have uh, my child in with one of her specialists, I have questions and I've told the doctor, I'm not looking at my phone. I'm pulling up my questions and the information we've shared, whether it's a journal of this is what happened two weeks ago or this is an issue because the doctor can't make an educated um, prescription or a treatment plan without having all the information they need. And that requires us to be forthcoming and, again, asking questions and telling them everything that's going on. So those are the things that um, with those doctor visits. And it's okay. Like you're not questioning them in the sense of making them feel like they're not the smartest people. They want us to be partners, whether you're, again, whether you're a parent or a child, um, they want us to be partners. Especially, and especially when we're the ones who, again, will be back on the home front 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, helping to manage the health care of our family. So, yeah, we're an important partner in our family's health care. Is it important to ask our physician about that prescription drug and say, is there a risk of misusing this? Yeah. Um, again, health. there's a risk of misusing it or saying, is this the best? Is there, is there something else that I can do that could provide similar outcomes? Um, and again, we went for surgeries and you don't always have to take an opioid like, or a painkiller. You don't have to have that. Um, and you can talk with them about that. What's, what's the best thing for you? So um, again, they're going off of, hey, this is what has traditionally worked. I have X information. This is what I'm going to say. But again, having those conversations is crucial. Mm. What about the conversations we have with the children in our home, no matter how old they are? At what point and how should we guide those conversations so that they're informed about the potential risk of prescriptions in the house? Yeah. You know, one of those first things that can be uncomfortable because mom or dad or grandma or grandpa or sisters may have different pills that they need to take that have been appropriately prescribed Um, And having the conversations of what's right for each person. So if you have a child that may be on um, a a ADHD med or a uh, antidepressant, those may be appropriate, but you wouldn't want any other child taking them unless they were prescribed. And we have those conversations in our home. You talk about that sister's or that dad's, um, you don't take that. The other thing is talking about coping skills. You know, what are some things that you can do if you're feeling anxious or you're feeling overwhelmed instead of taking a pill? And again, if it's been prescribed and it's appropriate, that's not what I'm saying. (laughs) I'm saying if a child has not received a prescription or you haven't received a prescription, are there other things you can be doing before going to the doctor and asking um, the right questions? And so having that conversation with our kids of, okay, abs, what do you think you would like to do today? Do you, do you think you need to be outside and wiggle a little bit more? Um, is that going to be helpful? Or do you, have you drank enough water? Have you um, removed any television or computer screen? Because you maybe you've been staring at, as all of our kids are on, mm-hmm. <laughs> some form of hybrid learning at least. Um, taking the, like, say, let's take a break from the screen. Let's not look at the TV. Let's go play pretend. Um, and doing alternatives 
that can distract us um, briefly from whether it's a headache or um, stress or being overwhelmed. Mm. What a great life skill that would be, Susanna. I mean, that's a great life skill to say when you're feeling bad or anxious or whatever it may be, rather than first thinking about the medicine cabinet, uh, think about what are some of the the healthy coping skills we can put into play. Right. And the other thing we talk about is, or at least that we in our house, um, it's very common to see, again, it's due to my job, partly, but like we do the take back events where you dispose of any unused medication. Um, we have disposed of it at a pharmacy with Intermountain or at the police department in our community. Those are options and the kids see that. So it's up to our families, um, parents, again, grandparents, caregivers, aunts and uncles to set the example of, hey, this is a standard. We, we don't need this anymore, so we're not going to keep it. We don't, it doesn't make sense to have it here, so let's get rid of it. Um, so setting those examples in the family as well. And having the conversations with it. For those who have just joined us, we're talking to Susanna Bird. She's with the Utah Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health. She's the Prevention Program Manager. And you talked about setting the example of having that, okay, kids, you know, we are done with this uh, prescription. We're going to take this now safely and, and take it to a drop-off location. It could be a, a local pharmacy, as you mentioned, a police office. It could be, and it's no questions asked. They take those prescriptions and away right. we go. But I remember a statistic, but I don't remember the number, that youth who have become addicted to prescription medications in their lifetime, the chances were that they were exposed to those prescriptions in their own home the very first time. Is that correct? Yeah. And it isn't just like you think about it. We've changed as a society of when we, uh, kids, what they get when they go to have surgery, whether it's a tonsillectomy or the wisdom teeth being pulled. The wisdom teeth is the most common starting point for a kid to have an opioid or a prescription medication um, if outside of an antibiotic. Um, so when you have those uh, points in time where there isn't a whole lot of discussion, um, there isn't a lot of like, hey, you only take this a little bit, or you only take it as needed, um, and you only take it for the three days or whatever. Um, that's where it's start. That's where it can start, not where it does start, but where it can start. And the younger a kid is exposed to um, different psychotropic medications, then that can not all the time, but it can rewire their brains. Which is why, with opioids especially. We have to be very cautious and thoughtful about when we expose kids to it and for how long. I know kids that are very avid soccer players and they, and I have no idea what ligament or whatever they tore in their knee, but they had to have knee surgery at 15 years old and they were given a lot of drugs to deal with the pain after surgery. And that can start the dependence, not addiction, but the dependence or misuse at that point, which can lead to addiction. And I'm saying can, and it could, or it might, because we don't know what everyone, there isn't easy to say, uh, Rebecca and Susanna are the exact same person. They will have the exact same outcome with their medication. We don't know that. Um, But there are family things or genetics um, and other factors that go on in families that 
could predispose a person to addiction or dependence. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I've interviewed uh, physicians that have talked about how they have changed their prescription patterns so that if they are comfortable with wanting to use opioids the first day or two of a surgery or post-surgery, after that, when the youth or adult is sent home, there may be only another two days worth of supply rather than right. historically when we were still somewhat ignorant of the risks that occurred with opioids in particular. Sometimes people were sent home with three weeks worth of prescription medication. Right. So there has been that change of people been noticing that that is because they've started to say, wait, we know more. We know you're at greater risk if we send you home with these powerful meds. Uh, if we're looking at you as a whole person, right? And we want to make sure that right. you are healthy and you can treat yourself with time. Tylenol or, or whatever other pain reliever, uh, you know, heat pads, whatever it may be. Um, and, and there has been that change. Yes, absolutely. And the other thing is, it isn't like we focus a lot on opioids because that happens to be the one that is the most prevalently misused um, and abused in the state uh, as far as a prescription medication. But there are other ones. There are people who misuse their Ambien or their Xanax as name brands, um, something that they use because they're feeling anxious, um, that they again can, can become dependent or they aren't using properly. There are people that are misusing the Ritalin or the Adderall um, because it's great for stimulating and keeping you awake enough to um, do that paper in college. So there are things that um, it's not just opioids. There are other things that are in our medicine cabinets that can be potentially misused if we're not having the right conversations and explaining to our kids and setting good boundaries. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that. There's gabapentin and fentramine and there's all kinds oh, of, yeah. and it's not just youth, it's adults as well. We have about mm, eight minutes with you, Susanna. I wanted to get some other helpful information from you. How can we recognize the signs of misuse or addiction in our youth and in the adults in our life? There's usually, um, if you start thinking back, and it's really hard if you're so close to someone that you don't see a drastic change, um, like because you've been with them, you know, 24-7, you don't see that change. But if you start thinking back, oh, you know, two weeks ago, they really started changing behavior. And those changes in behaviors are usually more irritability. They are withdrawing. Um, They're changing their habits. So let's say someone normally goes to play soccer or they go out and um, enjoy being with other people, but they're withdrawing or they're not finding joy in that anymore. Um, That's something that can be a sign of that addiction or dependence. Another thing to be looking at changes in friend groups for kids, um, looking at their grades, Uh, You could be watching and talking um, to teachers, and I know it's hard when you have kids in high school versus, like, elementary, but going to those parent-teacher conferences (laughs) sounds so silly, but checking in to make sure that they're still participating in class or if there's been any changes in their behavior, um, that's a good point because guess what? If your kids are going to school, we don't see them during the day. We only see them in the afternoon or after, you know, in the evening. And if they're going into the room because that's normally their behavior, then what are we missing? Um, the other things to be looking for are um, they'll start asking 
You know, do you have extra medication? Do you have this? And counting your pills, by the way, if it's your own kids or your spouse or your partner or anyone that lives with you, counting those pills on a regular basis to see if there's any missing, that's something to be tracking as well. Um, I know that there's some journals that you have um, that they've usually done with older adults so that you can track your medication. Um, But that's where you could start. There are things, there are um, points if you, if you wonder, you can, and it's not an emergency, you don't have someone um, unfortunately lying on the floor or anything, you're just concerned. Calling 211 is really a good place to start to see if there's any resources in your community. Um, there was a billboard on our, um, one of our streets and my kids are like, why are we calling 211 instead of 911 now? And we had that conversation of like, well, not everyone is in crisis at that moment, but they might feel they need different resources, whether it's a a class to learn how to teach skills to kids, or maybe it's getting into treatment for them or someone they love. It could be finding different alternatives to do, like activities, so that they can feel like they're part of a community in these times of isolation. So 211 is a good place to start if you have questions. And I understand that there's a 211 app in addition to the website, right? 211utah.org. Yes. And I was going to say, the other place is knowyourscript.org. That's another place to go. It can link you to prevention services and agencies throughout the state um, and ways to dispose of your medication. Um, And just as a side note, I know that we're running out of time. My mom recently passed away, and my stepdad and I are both in recovery. And so I looked to him after, you know, years of having my mother being ill, said, Papa, can I get rid of these medications? And he's like, yes, get rid of them. And I said, I happen to notice that you have some of your own medications that are from 2012. Do you mind if I get rid of that? And he said, please do. I know that it's a stressful time. Help me get rid of that. And that's what we did. We got rid of the medications, I mean, bags of them, um, and took them to the local hospital pharmacy that allowed us to dispose of the medication. And ones that we couldn't fit in there, we were you know, dissolving and getting rid of um, for a garbage can. And so those are the things that we can do and being aware of those around us that have different needs, um, having those conversations. And, And I can tell you that after you've lost your life and saying to them like, hey, are you sure you're okay? That's a hard conversation to have. So being willing to have uncomfortable conversations with our parents, with our kids, with our children, with our neighbors, um, about prescription medications is okay, and I really would love people to say, "Are you all right? Do you are you are you feeling okay? Is there anything we can do?" Or just saying, "Can can we go for a walk? Do you want to go for a walk?" Mm. And just getting that person out there. Those are great skills to to use when you're concerned about someone. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing to, to put that in because so much of addiction begins, in some ways, out of innocence. Uh, naivety on the power of, of how it could affect us uh, or it could be reaching for something simple to make us feel better. And someone once shared with me, and it was very powerful, that when someone is overflowing with emotions, whether it's grief or anxiety, that when you ask that question, are you okay? Can you, we go for a walk and let's talk? You're literally letting the pressure out of that person's heart and soul. And it's still, the pain is there, but you're letting the pressure out and helping that person uh, truly manage and move forward. So it is such 
a key part to helping us in this overall goal to help each other, to arm each other, to help each other be healthier and safer. Right. You talked about these these conversations to have about prescription safety before I let you go. There was one statistic that just shared, just stood out, and I wanted to share this. Teens who have learned about the dangers of misusing prescription drugs from their parents or grandparents were 42% less likely to abuse prescription drugs. So you wonder, am I really making a difference when I have these conversations with my loved ones about prescription safety? And again, we're including every type of prescription medication that is prescribed. When we have conversations about the dangers of misusing them, 42% less likely to see abuse right. of these. That's how the power of conversations can have, Suzanne. Absolutely. Mm, just beautiful. I know. And we can have it with at any time. That's the that's that's the best part. You can have it at dinner, breakfast, driving in the carpool, you can have it on those walks. Um you can have it when a song comes on and it talks about something that's related to drug abuse. And you can have that conversation and asking your kids or your, again, your partners or your loved ones, what do you think about that? Um, because often if we just say, are you okay? They'll say, yeah, I'm fine. And they want to shut it down. They, it's uncomfortable for them. That's why I say like having those, those walks or the talks that are, organic in, you know, we're just sitting around, we're not forcing, having this really big, intense talk about drug abuse, um, but talking about what trauma or, you know, what's working for you, what isn't working for you. And um, we want a healthier community. Ultimately, we want a healthier community. And knowing about our scripts, knowing about our prescriptions, um, and what's right for us as a family, as a community, and as a human that's where that conversation is crucial. And I love that you shared resources because we've talked about a lot of different things. And for many people, this will be a a trigger, an emotional button because there's someone in our life Mm -hmm. we're so concerned about, or it's our own selves. There are resources in our community, as Susanna Burt shared with us. You can dial 211 and find those resources or go to 211utah.org. You can also, and you should also go to knowyourscript.org. And as Susanna was talking about questions to bring to your doctor. You can bring those questions to pharmacists. There's a list on that side of those questions and and what prescription drugs are most commonly misused that you've mentioned and others included. So all that information, the more, and, and I'll share this really quickly. The more informed we all are, the more impact we could have in our own personal life, our family life. But you just enlarge those circles. It could be somebody in your neighborhood. It could be somebody in in your workplace that you have the ability to say, you know, you can get more information about that at knowyourscript.org and and help. Susanna Burt, the Prevention Program Manager with the Utah Division of Substance Abuse and Mental Health. Thank you so much for advocating for... for all of us to know our part in prescription safety. And thank you for joining us on this week's edition of Utah Weekly Forum. Thank you. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com 
or wherever you get your podcasts.